movement and change happens and rinse fm from like 1990 is not the same as like rinse fm from 2000 and now 2023 hey streamers and dreamers my name is otto kent and you're listening to the week by telecom electronic beats it's thursday may 4th and this is your weekly update on music culture and what's next So last Thursday, a guy named Dean Fullman decided to quit his job. He's from London, 44 years old, and he had the job close to 30 years. So who is this Dean? Well, he's more widely known from his artist name, Slimzy. And his job was co-founder and resident DJ at Rinse FM, the radio station out of East London that played a massive role in shaping entire genres like grime or dubstep. The announcement of Slimzy's departure from Rinse came pretty much out of the blue. He didn't say why he was leaving, and Rince didn't comment either. If there's drama, no drama, it's pretty much moot. Much more, this is an opportunity to take a closer look at the significance of one of my favorite things on the internet and in the music world, Rince FM. The impact the station has had on electronic music culture around the world is huge. Rince FM started in 1994 as a pirate radio station. In other words, as an illegal operation, hence the pirate part of the name. We're talking about an era when people climbed up to the rooftops of their apartment blocks to install radio transmitters and then broadcast to the rest of London out of their bedrooms. And while they played music, broadcasters had to fight off not only their rival stations, but also the cops and the licensing authorities in London. So when we say illegal, we mean really illegal. If you'd like to learn more about those illegal pirate radio days, I've added two links to the show notes for you. First, an episode of an RA Exchange podcast with Slimzy's then partner in crime, Genius. And second, a BBC documentary on YouTube. Both are fascinating. Check them out. And there's actually so much cool stuff about old school pirate radio days. Today, Rinse is fully licensed and legal. Woohoo! They broadcast locally in London and online. You can get it in your car, fully on the dial, the whole bit. And this past February, they announced no less than 140 new artists to host regular shows on the station. The lineup features some of my favorites like Peach, Fabio and Groove Rider, Roxy Moore, my co-host at the Wee Kick and Lomo, and the UK-born, Berlin-based DJ Juba. Hey, Juba, you're actually in, in the studio with me right now. I know, I'm right opposite you, looking you dead in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Put on your hosting hat and introduce yourself. Hello, I am Juba. I'm a DJ, I'm a radio host, sometimes podcaster. I'm based here in Berlin from the UK. You can tell from my accent, of Nigerian heritage. And I focus on music that is based around sounds coming out from Africa and African diaspora with very much like an electronic edge. And you have a Rinse radio show residency. I do. I started it at the same time as Kike, actually. We're both at the school of 2023, summer, spring kids. So, yeah, we started our residency and it's great. What would you say is the significance of having your Rinse show and finally knowing that you're like making it into people's cars and maybe even like their actual radios? Growing up, I was listening to like Rinse. I was listening to like Kiss, all of these like shows that I guess seems so far away it's such a sort of distant concept when you're like younger and you're just enjoying the radio but also I guess at the time I didn't necessarily have concepts or the idea that I would one day be on these platforms so I love it I think it's a challenge I think it's really fun because I also have my show here in Ka- on Kashmir in Berlin which is like a kind of smaller little community endeavour so I think the main challenge is also trying to sort of understand how I'm navigating the both and how to make them sort of like both make sense but yeah it's rewarding you know to have that sort of ability to share my views my music across airwaves, cars, you know, they have these like rich histories that it's nice to be part of. 
I agree. Um, when I was growing up, pirate radio in California and the West Coast, mm-hmm. it was significant because it was pushing against the Christian right mm. and um, the heavy hand of commercial radio. Mm. And especially because of like the content that was uh, able to be on radio. Mm. And there was this one station called Pirate Cat. Okay. And it was pretty wild. The, yeah. the, there was one guy and you could really tell it was just one guy, but he also must have had friends in the punk rock scene. So people would drift in and out. But eventually a Christian station started to push him out of his airwave. And he made a whole, almost like a show piece of this action of mm. trying to like push against Interesting. who was trying to cut into his dial. That's interesting. Because I guess in the UK, like things like when I think about commercial or like mainstream radio, Christian radio would almost be in some ways like more on the pirate side as opposed to the mainstream. It was really like, yeah, we didn't have that kind of like overdominance of any kind of religious radio. It was more like BBC, you know, Capital FM, stuff like that, or XFM when I was back in the day. And then for me, the energy, like listen to things like Choice FM back in the day when, you know, it was all about hip hop and R&B and rap and like soul or whatever it was. Um, Kiss FM way back when, um, that to me was sort of the like Rinse Femme was like the divergent radio and it was a lot more based around music and being able to find music that you would not get on a very much like form- formulaic mainstream radio. But what I found interesting is over the years, like a lot of the pirate radio became like mainstream FM or was subsumed by the mainstream um, sort of radio stations. And so what I saw more in London is the development of community radio and like internet radio. And I feel like in many ways, the internet radio started taking the place of the pirate radio for that to be that kind of space of like, I guess, countercultural, subculture, underground, like musical cultural expression. Yeah, I, I definitely love the idea that a lot of these radio stations are built by communities because it does take more than one person to really get them off the ground and fill a calendar. But also just the technology component where it's so much easier to take someone into the station that is just listening than back in the day where you might have to have a landline and yeah, someone yeah. had to answer it. You'd figure out how to patch someone in. So there's this like conversation that's kind of new. That's like what I feel like is kind of new. Yeah, because I remember back when I was listening to the radio, it like, yeah, text this number, like, 745, and then it'll be like, okay, shout out. So Tom from Essex has said, like, yo, I love that track. Run it up again. You know what I mean? And it was kind of, like, stilted, whereas now it's, like, uh, like an immediate feedback. And I think on the flip side, what is also great is that the technology has opened up these radio platforms to, like, people who would not have been able to access radio before. So I was listening to Surreal Sessions the other day on Roco, and I was it was a wild show. I was going crazy, shazamming the whole thing. I'm DMing them. I was like, guys, this show is sick. What is this track? Like that immediate feedback as they're literally either on air or like having like pre-recorded it. And the fact that they're able to also share their sounds on the internet and therefore they can literally like communicate with people anywhere in the world as long as like Roko isn't banned in that country. <laughs> so I think that's really special as well. And it just kind of democratizes that expression obviously then you have the other issues on the flip side which is like oversaturation there's so many shows various radio stations and also the sometimes the insustainability of new radio stations popping up and then only lasting a few years like obviously um worldwide kind of is paused has paused right now after the pandemic you had i think it's called swf swfu i'm gonna say it wrong but it's like basically bristol's like student network which had to shut down during the pandemic but also actually rinse has just acquired it or like worked with it now so now they're going to be sort of streaming as part of Rinse FM. I think that's really cool as well, like how the the growth of radio stations also means that there's so many more like informal touch points, which means that we can connect with each other. Um, people can like 
street from wherever in the world. And also, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, this is definitely not the formal, formally trained host. And that can sometimes like come with its challenges of listening and be like, okay, not sure how I feel about the presenting style. But also I think that's cool. Like people have the space to grow and not necessarily completely polished before they're like sharing their love of music. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned changes, changes in the field, changes in some of the stations. Um, uh, my friends, Horse Me Disco, are celebrating t- a 10-year anniversary on Rinse, yeah. which is like, to me, I'm like, oh, am I that old? But also, like, some of these stations are really hitting, like, milestones yeah. of that. Solid. And there are changes. So Slimzy left Rinse FM. I would love to hear your um, just your reaction to that news. It's interesting because I wonder what that means. I don't know why Slimzy left, so who knows? I think it was kind of more of like a, hey, just leave it. It's time to go into new things and find a new space for my show. Obviously, it's it's, it's a big thing. <laughs> it's a big thing. It's it's a big move because he's obviously one of like the founding like fathers. Like he was right there from the, one from the beginning. So I wonder what that means for like the direction of the studio radio station because obviously I've come into Rinse and like. Rinse, I would say, was associated with like grime and dubstep and like UK rap. So I don't play any of those um, genres. I could touch on a, a remix of a grime track, but it's not necessarily my sound. And even looking at the latest um, cohort of residents, there's a lot of people who represent different sounds that aren't necessarily tied to the original energy or the original sound of Rinse. So I don't know, maybe that's why he's leaving. He's like, hey, this is changing to something that doesn't necessarily relate to what I came in as but I don't think it's a bad thing it's just like the growth and the progression and I think movement and change happens and Rinse FM from like 1990 is not the same as like Rinse FM from 2000 and now 2023 it's a different story as well so yeah I guess it just shows that things are changing I think once again the internet and the growth of the internet the fact that you have hosts on Rinse FM who could be living in I don't know Guatemala and therefore aren't connected to you know UK's like grime and dubstep culture means that it's gonna yeah move somewhere Fantastic answer. Yeah. Uh, very diplomatic, but also like you really draw on something that is important for a show that talks about music and technology. Yeah. Like the idea that someone's going to um, make moves for something new or even just make space mm. for something new just speaks to the idea that um, evolution and pirate radio into internet radio yeah. is it's a fast moving independent stream of ideas new ideas that can't be held down by other places that are much more rigid yeah so thank you so much for joining us thank you, you said some awesome stuff and Cheers. uh looking forward to hearing what you do with this radio sphere going forward me too let's see thanks for having me it's been fun So BTW in related news, Cool FM officially relaunched last week. And Cool FM, if you don't know, is one of the pirate radio stations that like inspired Slimzy, Genius, and the rest of the Rinse FM team to start their station back in the 90s. It is the old school of the old school, and now it's back to life. And the lineup includes jungle legends such as Brocky and MC Dead or DJ Storm, as well as the Rinse co-founder Uncle Dugs and newer artists such as Nia Archives. So I know you want to check it out and you can do that on the Rinse FM website. So we've already got you warmed up. Our deep dive, we talked about fashion, AI, community. Now let's dive into the other headlines that are making news this week. Everybody loves Karl Lagerfeld's cat. On Monday night, celebrity celebrities were showing up again at the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art in New York at fashion's biggest night out, a.k.a. the Met Gala. If you've been on social media during the last days, you know that looks were being served. 
Not only for all the red carpet photographers, but in honor of fashion legend Karl Lagerfeld, who died in 2019. You might know the Met Gala always has a motto, and guests need to dress accordingly. This year, the motto was Karl Lagerfeld, a line of beauty. And people interpreted this motto in, well, various ways. Personal faves, Doja Cat and Lil Nas X, oh, and Jared Leto, all showed up in some kind of a cat costume, paying homage not to Karl Lagerfeld himself, but his 11-year-old cat, Choupette. And when I say Doja and Lil Nas X created a fashion moment, they had pearls and crystals abounds. But Jared Leto, he showed up in a full furry cat costume. And if you haven't seen it, you must check it out. I have a little treat for you in the show notes. In other Met Gala news, everyone was talking about Rihanna and Aesop Rocky. They were serving some kind of a royal bride and groom situation. People were loving it. However, my favorite 2023 Met Gala moment was Doja Cat, because she's a cat. She owned the cat. She's Doja Cat. So that's a lot of vinyl. Where's the record player? So you might not know this, but I've collected a lot of vinyl. And the one thing I miss the most about loving to stream is that the album art is just too small. So when collecting vinyl these days, it's really just about getting that giant version of the artwork in all its full glory. 2022 was a pretty big year for vinyl. In the United States, vinyl now generates more than double the amount of money that CDs do. So obviously vinyl is having a moment. However, apparently half of the people who buy vinyl don't even own a record player. That's something that Luminate just found out, a company that collects sales data. So I'm asking myself, what are these people doing with their vinyl? There are different assumptions. Some people might really buy vinyl just to decorate their wall. They might buy it as a gift for someone else. I know I have. There was this trick to melt a vinyl record into a popcorn bowl. Do you remember that? Oh, and Grace Jones also wore one as a hat, I think. But one of the reasons why vinyl is so popular now is what Luminate calls the superfan. Superfans don't necessarily buy to listen, but they buy to own the records. They want people around them to know about their passion for a particular genre or artist. So to them, buying vinyl might make sense even if they never even crack open the plastic shrink wrap. Sound familiar? Kind of like those books on the shelf that you're never going to read, or those Sailor Moon figurines that are never coming out of the package. You get it. Collaborate with Grimes now. We have reached another level in the whole discussion about what AI does to the music industry. I mean, it feels like you can barely close your eyes without something happening at this point, and now Grimes has entered the discussion. But before diving into that, let me give you a quick rundown of what happened until then. So there was a song by Drake in the weekend called Heart on My Sleeve. It kind of went viral. Then it turned out to be an AI generated fake and Universal Music was like, we need to take it down. That's copyright infringement. So all streaming services took the song down. But you know the deal with the internet. Nothing is ever really gone. So you can obviously still listen to it if you haven't done it already. Anyways, this whole thing sparked a discussion about how to deal with what AI can do. Not only for labels such as Universal Music, but also for artists. They need to figure out what AI music means for their art and their income. And now Grimes has gone all in. She tweeted out a promise to split royalties 50-50 with any successful AI-generated song that uses her voice and that people should feel free to use it without any limits or penalties. She said, and I quote, It is the same deal I would do with any artist I collaborate with. 
But let's be honest, Grimes is not the first one to approach this whole situation in a more, let's say, optimistic manner. This follows the footsteps of experiments like Holly Plus, where Holly Herndon created a digital twin voice model, and she set up a decentralized autonomous organization to approve its different uses and shares in the profits. But getting back to Grimes, she went on to say that she thinks it's cool to be fused with a machine and that she likes the idea of open sourcing all art and killing copyright. Two very different but interesting future possibilities. And adding to that, Grimes just left her label, Columbia Records, so it seems she's more than ready to release new music and fast. If you've ever wanted to collaborate with Grimes, elf ears or not, now's the time. Power to the tech people. A group of contractors at YouTube Music have voted to form a union. Yay, unions! The workers will join the Alphabet Workers Union, CWA, which represents all Alphabet and Google-affiliated workers who choose to organize. If you are a YouTube Music subscriber, these are the people who basically make sure that you can listen to the music. These workers already went on strike in February, and they were joined by U.S. Congressman and Democrat Greg Kazar. Uh, Instead of just thinking that tech workers are all highly paid workers, which kind of then hides how this industry really works, we need your stories and your continued work so that these industries actually have to follow federal labor law, negotiate, and make sure that folks can actually afford to live in the city. That's what y'all are out here doing today. According to a union statement, workers at YouTube Music are paid as little as $19 an hour and receive minimal benefits with many forced to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. So this achievement now seems to be a very big thing, not only for the workers, but the tech industry as a whole. Just a few weeks ago, as you might have heard, workers for Bandcamp were also able to form a union. Maxwell Longfield, a YouTube music contract worker and now union member, said this, We hope other tech workers join us by standing shoulder to shoulder with their coworkers and flexing their power on the job. Right on. So, looping back to our discussion about vinyl lovers, this week's recommendation comes from someone who definitely owns a record player. As we told you before in our previous episodes, we've been turning IKEA's exhibition space into a pop-up club for Milan Design Week. We've been working with locals that have been shaping the scene in Milan for years. Not only musicians, but also record shop owners. Serendipity is probably one of the oldest and most influential record shops in Milan, Nicola Mazzetti is one of the owners, and he handpicks each and every record they have in the store. Let's just say he really knows his business. So we asked him about his top five music producers from Italy. I'm Nicola Mazzetti. I'm living in Milan, and I own the record shop Serendipity since 2009, almost 14 years now. Yeah, we'll start from the, from the past. Piero Miliani from Italy is... It's a, it's a, real pioneer of the electronic music. It made a lot of mm, soundtracks, music library, and a lot of experimentation. And for sure, for the present uh, and the past, also Donato Dozzi, who everybody knows, and a great producer and DJ as well. And from the local scene, I would say uh, for sure, Catatonic Silencio, uh, 8, and Train to Eltonin. They are all all great musicians and uh, with a very, very good attitude. Thank you, Nicola, and thanks to Serendipity Sound. 
We put the links to Nicola's recommendations in the show notes. And of course, you can also find the link to Serendipity's Instagram. Make sure to check it out. So that's all for the week this week. Thanks for locking in. We'll be here right here next Thursday. Take care and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.